Namaskar and welcome to another episode of Ananda Marga DharmaCast. And I'm your host, Dara Veda Pragyananda, or some people call me Dara Veda. And today we're going to look at a subject which is only starting because we can only scratch the surface of it. But we're going to look at the issue or the subject of the Vedas. What are the Vedas? And we're going to read a little bit about them in the book Subhasita Sangraha, Part 2, written by Sri Sri Anandamurti. So if you have been in contact with any kind of Indian spirituality, you might have heard about the Vedas. So what are they? The Vedas is a collection of knowledge which came about in India and even beyond India and in Central Asia thousands of years ago by a group of people who ethnically their name, they were called Aryans. And amongst those Aryans, there were some sages or philosophers. And they went beyond the religious or animistic religion of the very primitive human beings. Because in the beginning of human civilization, people used to worship the natural forces, whether it be the fire or the hurricane or the lightning, thunder, and they used to think that those individual forces were were gods. There was gods behind that. that, that was They were manifestations of the gods. So they had the idea of many gods. But then amongst the Aryans, this, this group of, of sages or philosophers started to think deeply about the question and they became convinced that behind or beyond all the natural forces, there is one, there is oneness. And that oneness, that one supreme entity, they called Brahma. So really, the, the Veda, Veda means knowledge. So, so what is Veda? It's really the intuitional science, the study of the, of the Brahma and using the intuition to understand what is this creation, where does it come from, and who are we. So that's what the Vedas are. It's a, and they were written down later. They, first, they were composed in oral um, form, in, in form of poems, so that people could re remember them easily. And in fact, there was a movie some years back, and maybe people have not seen it, it was called Fahrenheit 451. And it's a science fiction tale about in some dystopia where some dictator burns all the books. And that's happened before. But in this dystopia, they burn everything. So what happened was is that some people had to, um, who wanted to keep the knowledge alive, they had to memorize these books. And so there would be someone who could do one book or another book or another. But in ancient times, that's what they did was that because they, they didn't have a very um, good system of writing or they had no system of writing. They had, the philosophy was more advanced of, than the writing. So they used to have to memorize things. So they memorized them in the form of poems, were called shlokas. And so they were um, easily memorized. So that's what the Vedas are. They were a collection of these these um, poems, and then later they were um, set uh, in, into written form. And th this collection of knowledge is the Vedas. 
It's the intuitional science of the Vedas. And some years back, my guru, Sri Sri Ananamurti, gave a series of discourses. He called them the intuitional science of the Vedas. And he talked about what is in the Vedas. And he, he read some of those shlokas, and then he commented on them. So today, what I'd like to do is I'm going to just read just a very little bit about it and make a little bit of commentary on it. So without further ado, I'm going to get into that. A person who sees himself in everything and everything in himself can never hate anybody or anything. The capacity to overcome hatred is the main characteristic of Brahma-gyana, or one-versed in intuitional science. Because of their pervasive egalitarian vision, there is not the slightest chance of their committing any sin in secret. When the sense of pervasiveness of one's soul in all living and non-living objects awakens in one's mind, one neither hankers after anything nor is one afraid of losing anything. One feels a sense of oneness with all objects and attachment and grief fade away. So this is a very important thing. Just, we have two paragraphs uh, and it shows the very deep importance and the very great consequence of what was taught in that Vedic period. So first thing he said is that if someone really will know that supreme entity, then they can't hate anybody because the, the supreme entity permeates everything. This, this universe is really just composed of, of the basic stuff. Which is, what is that stuff? The supreme consciousness has transformed himself into all the forms of the universe. And when, if we realize that, then we, and we realize that we're part of that, and then we realize that that other person is also part of that same thing, we, we cannot hate anybody or anything. So it's a very important thing. And then there's another important consequence of that. Um, he says that when, when um, the pervasiveness of one's soul in all living and non-living objects awakens in one's mind, one neither hankers after anything nor one is afraid of losing anything. One feels a sense of oneness with all objects and attachment and grief fade away. We're part of that all. That all is part of us. We're not lacking anything. So we don't have to have any uh, attachment or, or grief or um, fear that oh, we're going to lose something. We're not going to lose anything. So this is really um, a very important thing. I can read on more about it. The characteristic of that supreme being is all pervasiveness. So the spiritual aspirant um, who gets installed in that supreme entity and with his bearing, the spiritual aspirant eventually identifies himself with him, with, the, with, the, with that supreme consciousness. And that bearing of his, of, of that, that Brahma, abides, abides the splendor of all fulfillment, the seed of all knowingness. 
So in Brahma is, is the knowledge of everything. And so one who becomes one with Brahma knows everything. So this is also another um, characteristic of that supreme entity, is all-knowing. And then, and then when one knows about that supreme consciousness, and we know all, we'll know all the secrets of the creation and the destruction of this world, because everything that is being created will one day be destroyed. That's, you know, the, that's part of the, um, the God is the creator, the operator, and the destroyer of the universe. But those, here's another, we're going to quote a little bit about it, uh, from what Sri Sri Anandamurti says about it. But those who run after the glamour of creation and those who are obsessed by the fear of, of destruction are both racing towards the worlds of darkness. A spiritual aspirants look upon both Sambhuti, which is this creation, and Asambhuti, which is the destruction, equitably and with equanimity. So scientists who are wholly and solely dedicated to the worship of, of the creation of matter and hermits who live in constant fear of destruction are both on the wrong path. They are not on the path of salvation. So only the person who uses judgment and accepts both of them attains immortality. And that is also what the idea of the sages was, is that why did they study that supreme entity? Because they were trying to become immortal. They wanted to, the supreme entity is immortal. And they wanted to attain this oneness and this immortality of that supreme entity. And that's what the whole um, reason was. They started this cultivation of this intuitional science. And now there's something very interesting. Um, you know, usually when we start to study the spiritual knowledge, we learn that there are certain higher states of the mind. Um, there, there's some conscious mind, the, which, and which is the kind of the crude mind in the sense that we're concerned with with um, perception of the objects of this world. But then there is subconscious mind, and then there's realms of the mind called the superconscious or astral mind, and so people start to think, oh wow, I'm getting in this higher koshas. But really, now we're going to talk about these koshas. And it's a very interesting um, observation he makes. When a person progresses from the crude to the subtle as a result of spiritual practice, all the bondages gradually start disappearing by themselves. And when a strong desire awakens in the mind to attain pure consciousness within, the Hiranyamaya quotient, which is the last layer, um, also gets destroyed. So in each of the five different stages of the mind, crude mind, kamamaya kosha, manamaya kosha, which is subtle or subconscious, adimanasa kosha, the supramental um, mind, or the jnanamaya kosha, subliminal mind, and haranyamaya kosha, subtle cosmic mind. The last three are collectively called astral or, or unconscious mind. Some sort of finite object directly or indirectly remains, and this object becomes the cause of bondage. In other words, 
The unit attains salvation only when he or she empties his or her mind of all objects. Just as an iron sword can perform acts of cruelty or merely cut the rope tethering an animal, similarly, according to the, its objective tendencies, the mind can also be the cause of bondage and liberation. So what he's saying here finally, you know, in the end, that even this higher layer, Haranyamaya Kosha, which we think it's the golden layer, we think, wow, I reached the Haranyamaya, even that has to one day be destroyed in, so that we can merge with that cosmic consciousness. So um, this is some of the, the teaching of that, of the Subhasita Sangraha, the, the science of the Vedas. And I'll, I'll talk one, one more thing. He says, all units are external or unit objects, things of the world. So love for such unit objects can never be lasting. For the mind always keeps hopping from one object to another. That is why I say, withdraw your love from the unit and merge yourself in the whole. Don't mistake the unit for the soul or for God. The attainment of one's inner self is possible through love for the infinite. Don't pretend to be inferior as a, and as a result become lazy. Fill your heart with love of the infinite and your soul will be transformed into the supreme soul. No worldly ha happiness is limitless. Dedicate yourself completely to the blissful ocean of the supreme soul. Then alone will you realize what happiness really is. So this is just a, a scratch of the surface of what's in the Vedas. So find out about that. And you, I really recommend the, the series of books called the Subhasita Sangraha series of commentaries on the, the Vedas and also on other spiritual subjects. And But the one thing is very important is that during the Vedic times, the philosophers were limited. They were limited because they were existing in the realm of philosophy. So they were talking about becoming one with Brahma, knowing Brahma, but they needed that create a science of, of doing that. And that science of spiritual practice, eventually the Vedic rishis found um, in its fulfillment within the, the tantric yogis of the indigenous tantra of, of India. So we have to, we should know the Vedas, but we should, more important than knowing the Vedas, we should practice the science of, of intuitional science. And that intuitional science is really the science of tantra and the science of yoga. And we should do that meditation. And then if we can do that, then we will realize many of these great things like being free from hate, being free from attachment to, to the um, changing things of the world and having love for that supreme entity and having love for all the entities of this world. So these, this is some of the things which I wanted to speak about today. And thanks for listening. And if you're listening on any particular platform where would they carry on the Marga Dharma cast, please subscribe and follow. And if you have any suggestions for future podcasts, please let us know so that we give us a stimulate our 
our um, creativity and our production of more great uh, podcasts and material for people on the spiritual path. So I thank you for tuning in and listening, and I bid you namaskar, and that namaskar means I salute you with all the, the, my mind and all the, the, my heart. Namaskar. Oh,